0: The Business of Biotech is produced by Life Science Connect and its community of learning, solving, and sourcing resources for biopharma decision makers. If you're working on biologics process development and manufacturing challenges, you need to swing by bioprocessonline.com. If you're trying to stay ahead of the cell or gene therapy curve, visit cellandgene.com. When it's time to map out your clinical course, let clinicalleader.com help. And if optimizing outsourcing decisions is what you're after, check out OutsourcePharma.com. We're Life Science Connect, and we're here to help. The concept of programmable biology is fueling a new breed of biotech, one that requires the marriage of computational and traditional scientists at every step of the journey, from discovery to commercial. BitBio, spelled B-I-T dot B-I-O, Is exemplary of this new breed. The preclinical cell therapy company is developing therapeutics in metabolism and endocrinology, immunology, and neurology, and its founder and CEO, Dr. Mark Cotter, doesn't pull any punches when addressing the complexity involved in building out the company's capabilities. On the discovery side alone, BitBio has hired and integrated stem cell biologists, synthetic biologists, genetic engineering experts, cellular biologists, sequencing experts, data scientists, bioinformatics pros, and machine learning experts. I'm Matt Pillar. This is the Business of Biotech and I caught up with Dr. Cotter in San Francisco to talk about the work BitBio is doing, how it's doing it, and how he and his leadership team are recruiting and retaining a new breed of biotech talent to sustain the effort. Let's give it a listen. Dr. Mark Cotter, founder and CEO at Bit.Bio. So let's start right there, Bit.Bio.
1: What's, what's behind the name? It's really the convergence of data science and biology. Um, we are dealing with uh, a paradigm of synthetic or programmable biology, um, which has opened up opportunities um, that and solutions um, to longstanding problems Um, in turning pluripotent stem cells into different cell types so we're really a cell manufacturing creation uh, and uh, therapy company Mm -hmm. and this new paradigm this program of biology provides a solution to um, consistency scalability but also even functionality of the cells
0: yeah okay and you remain uh currently uh, a Clinical scientist at the university. Yeah, my background
1: is actually I, I I'm a I'm a neurosurgeon um and a stem cell biologist. Um and I had naively um the idea of developing cell therapies I didn't know how hard this is actually when I started out um and it's only because uh, we were able to assemble a fantastic team that we're actually now doing it mm-hmm. um but um you know the ambition always was you know to extend you know my medical practice to something broader
0: yeah, that's interesting. You, you didn't know how hard this was. You were a neurosurgeon. That's and right. Yeah. How much harder than that could have been?
1: <laughs> well, I think the complexities are very different, uh, let's say.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. What What inspired you to become an entrepreneur?
1: Um, it was um, the realization um, that uh, the means that I have um, in academia um, would not allow me um to uh, really tackle this 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 huge problem so um there's two things really cell therapies for spinal cord injuries were my initial uh, initial uh, inspiration um I see patients um, that, um, you know, whose lives change uh, at a sort of flick of a switch. Mm -hmm. Um, And the only thing neurosurgeons can do is put the bones together, um, but there's not much we can do um, to enhance recovery. Uh, And so that was really the driver, and I thought small molecules, uh, biologics won't do it. Um, It needs something much more complex. And there's been really interesting uh, studies in in this field with uh, cell therapies on the on the preclinical side. And we've seen some clinical transition. Now, the problem with cell therapies is that um, they're extraordinarily expensive. Um, Quite frankly, even now, uh, those that work um, in um, oncology, um, you know, it's not a good business model. Some of them are still loss making drugs. Mm So that, that needed to change. Uh, it, uh, that brought me into um, the idea of pre protein stem cells. Um, and then also uh, I realized how in- incredibly difficult it's actually to control these cells. And the second big thing that hit me was when I was doing my research, uh, like everyone else, we were using uh, mouse uh, rat cells and models. Um, but um, as a neurosurgical trainee, I was able to access um, human biopsies. So comparing specific cell types of interest, um, um, they I found out that they look the same, but biologically, um, there's a huge difference. So you know, growth factors that do one thing in the rat and the mouse have a, a complete opposite effect uh, on the human cell. And for me, that was like an another sort of huge uh, huge sort of vection point because I thought wow if I continue what I've done before I'm going to be a fantastic mouse doctor that's <laughs> really what I want to be and so and, and this really sort of um you know brought me to, to enter this uh, this space yeah and uh, little, little did I know um that uh, we would be able to you know find a piece of biology that is really a, a incredible machine.
0: Was was BitBio your first foray into entrepreneurship and biotech?
1: It sort of happened a little bit at the same time. Uh, um, we spun out uh, um, now three companies uh, out of the lab. Um, BitBio is the one I'm sticking to. Uh, I'm, I'm running. Um, there's a uh, another company called Meatable uh, in the cultured meat field. Mm-hmm. Um, so they also need, need cells, obviously non-human. Um, they need muscle and fat cells, and it turns out this this technology is so scalable that uh, um, they can reach price parity. Mm-hmm. So that was a parallel thing that happened. Uh, the companies initially uh, you really work uh, very closely together. Um, meetable very focused on scale up, uh, bit bio very focused on generation of the fundamental tech. And, and then more recently the flip side of ipscs of pro-potent stem cells um, um a you know the the in healthy and young state um led to a small uh, other spin out called clock biome
0: okay yeah I've got some questions for you on those spinouts particularly meetable very very interesting company um but I want I want to linger for a minute on your your transition from um, practicing medicine and being a, a research scientist to, to the business, yeah, uh, to the biotech business. It's not an easy transition to, to make. A lot of things to learn. A yeah. lot of things to learn. So share with me a little bit about that. Like what was, I don't know, like what were some of the, give me the, give me the top, uh, I guess, three challenges that you, you faced in, you know, deciding that you had, you had science that was worth building a business around, yeah. but yeah. how do you do that?
1: yeah so let me reflect on what's foundationally different uh between academia uh, and business Mm -hmm. um in academia is really centered around the individual um and the questions that you ask um, based on the funding system that is in place uh, are projects um now um in biotech i found it's the opposite. It's a team sport. Um, and the questions that you ask uh, is, how do I make this work? So these are real big problems uh, that, need, that you solve by bringing together in our case really very diverse teams and people that would never encounter themselves uh, each other in um in in an academic setting mm-hmm. the resources that it requires of course m- much uh, larger um, and the pressure is higher so i would say there are um the, the big difference is team sport between uh, in, 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 in biotech uh, and really a very individual sport uh, in academia.
0: Um, let, me, let me ask you to pause there real quick. When you talk about bringing people together, creating a team and bringing people together from different disciplines that may have never encountered one another in an academic right. setting, give, give me an example of that. Are you talking like technologists or computational yeah. people and, and, and biologists?
1: So the thing that we needed to to solve to create uh, BitBio uh, which is a platform that can reproduce any human cell type uh, from protein stem cells using transcription factor programming uh, um, was um, so let's talk about what what that actually means Um, um, so you can instruct cell identities Um, by activating the right set of transcription factors. That's the foundational insight um, that can be traced back to 1980s Howard Weintraub and then Yamanaka, of course, for transcription factors, crepotent stem cell. And then I would really want to shout out um, Marius Vernick and Tom Sutov uh, here at Stanford um, that have shown that this is a paradigm that seems to be generalizable. Mm-hmm. So that's the the the, the mind uh, the, the the framework. Now within th- th- this framework has two consequences on the discovery side. When you think about stem cell biologists, they have been trying to. Find ways of coaxing cells, let's say da, da, um, along Waddington's landscape, using uh, molecules to stepwise coach them into you know, a skin cell or a brain cell. Mm-hmm. The issue with that approach is you never know when you're there. And that's why there's n- nobody in the industry that has ever created a, a differentiation protocol from scratch, as far as I as far as I know. Um, so industry has taken academic IP and has process developed it. Um, and that's the basis of, of the many IPC companies that you see. Now, a foundational consequence of, uh, of this transition to that new paradigm is that you're now not, you know when the endpoint is because um, you have to find the right combination of transcription factors uh, and that's going to give you the cell type. So you've got a set of 2000, 2500 transcription factors, and you know, combinations of these will create cell types. Mm-hmm. And that means you can brute force it. You can build a platform that screens, uh, um, functional uh, screens uh, transcription factors, and a data science platform that reads this out. And you can then sort of approach, and you know when you build this, uh, you can create new cell types from scratch. And we've demonstrated this in BigBio. The other thing that uh, this approach can do is it shortens um, the time period of the transition from pluripotent stem cell to the cell type um, by a factor of 10. Mm. So, And it's single-step protocols. And the little thing that we uh, developed in Cambridge is um, using genomic safe harbors, we, we, we got to a deterministic paradigm. So we can produce cells um, batches of cells that are always the same, so that's the sort of framework. Now, when you think about what does it, what do we need um, to really, you know, build out this platform on the discovery side, mm-hmm. we need stem cell biologists. We need synthetic biologists. We need uh, people that are experts uh, in genetic engineering. We need uh, experts uh, that know about um, um, the the, the cell types that you want to produce. Um, We need sequencing uh, experts um, and technologists. We need uh, data scientists, bioinformatics, and machine learning people. So that's sort of the basis of the discovery platform. Now, one thing that we've learned is you put two biologists um, together in the room uh, and they're using the same words, mm-hmm. and the connotations are very different. Differentiation, stem cell speak, is very different from differentiation, for example, in the immunology field. So we're divided by 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 the same language, by, by, by and and that so it has uh, from the beginning onwards we had to really come together and find language to describe um, what we do as a a, a, a shared basis. So that's the discovery part. Then you go into the manufacturing side, suddenly you've got process engineers, you have, you know, um, people that uh, know something that about assays and bioreactors and all of that. Again, that's a completely new cohort uh, of individuals with completely different mindsets and backgrounds. Again, those needed to, be, to come together. And And as a business, then you have to have obviously the commercial side as well. So it's been incredibly complex uh, um, to bring, to bring you know, all these people together uh, and align them on a shared vision, but at the same time uh, give them, you know, a language, processes that they can follow in order to uh, build an efficient uh, machine. And I, th- I thought it was really fascinating. So we sort of did this very um, consciously also in terms of um, how we, how we shape the culture I was I was very sort of um what's the English word I really tried very hard to get to a certain point um and 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 it worked
0: how did you prepare for that like you you talked about when you when you were uh in ac- academics yeah you're sort of an island under yourself yeah and now you've got diverse teams of of many people doing many different things but having to do it in a unified fashion and you need to build a culture around that. Yeah. How did you prepare to, how how did you gain that skill set?
1: So, I mean, you're very very,
0: naturally very charming. I'm sure that that (laughs) played played into it, but
1: I think how did, how did we get there? So, I knew about the complexities. Um, So, I you know I'm a first principle guy I'm trying to sort of figure out the, the problem set that's in front of me and then try and find solutions doesn't mean that I always get it right in fact quite frankly I think most of the time any progress in bitbio has been um, based on failure um but that's also a thing you know we celebrate um you know that we've learned something rather mm-hmm. than that something has failed so I had certain um Certain uh, ideas, and then of course um, these were modified uh, through reality and failure. Um, um, one other thing that was very helpful at the beginning to really sort of put me on to a new sort of mindset. There was an accelerator program in Cambridge mm-hmm. um, that I joined, um, so at least I had some understanding of the of the language. Yeah, and then the other thing that happened was uh, very quickly the idea, um, you know, the vision of Bitbio is pretty bold. I mean, I think it can be incredibly transformational and and people have recognized this. So I was very lucky to be, you know, Backed by people that start, that have done this before, so one of the first uh, investors was Jonathan Milner. He built a company called AppCam. Um, we had uh, I had angels uh, that had you know venture capital background, um, and you know, and you know, I really, you know, obviously I was drinking from the water hose, um, but I had an incredible support structure. Uh, up until today, you know, my board is—I mean, incredible. Um, They—they're helping me to understand what I don't know. Um, yeah, I just think you need to have a learning mindset, being open. Mm-hmm. And I love new new stuff. I mean,
0: yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And and the community. It seems. It seems yeah. Big, having a building a community around you of, of people who've done it before, having that incubation experience. That's right. The ex- yeah. accelerator experience. Yeah. 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 Excellent. Um, you know, typically, uh, not, not typically, but more often than not, when we talk with cell therapy companies, their um, successes have been in, in rare and ultra-rare disease. And and Bit strikes me as as interesting because you're you're co- you're, you're looking to tackle indications that are, are far more far more common, right? Yeah. What, what's this like? What, what was sort of the intent there? The strategy? Why is that?
1: I think the. When you think about the history of, you know, stem cell biology, it was always felt that this is this is the key that we need to unlock for regenerative medicine. So, you know, maybe 10 years back, 15 years back, cell therapy was always in the context of regenerative medicine. Um, Then, of course, the world changed with uh, the CAR T field, which uh, became uh, an incredibly effective weapon against cancer. Um, and I think we only start at the start of that. Um, now, bit bio um, has, you know, embraced this regenerative medicine paradigm, and um, um, and the the way that we look at our internal pipeline is really trying to see what has worked. The, we need to de risk. Clinical risk. Uh, uh, if you think about your own pipeline, um, there's of course technical risk, execution risk, regulatory risk, etc. Um, so, if you take a risk-based approach on structuring your pipeline, what you want to see is patients that have benefited uh, from a cell uh, transplant foremost. Um, Mm -hmm. Uh, And these cells might have been donor-derived cells or autologous, uh, so cells that come from the patients themselves. Um, All of these approaches have massive constraints in terms of cost, in terms of scalability. And um, what BitBio, um, the value proposition of BitBio is really that we can produce cells en masse um, uh, and really democratize access um, to these therapies.
0: It's uh, the next line of questioning I have for you was was around that that very thing. I mean, the cell therapy space uh, has been shown so much promise, yeah. But at the at the commercial stage, uh, it's been it's been a rough go, right? I mean, so unpack that a little bit for me. How the bit bio approach to addressing these indications shifts that that Mm -hmm. cost that incredible cost paradigm.
1: Yeah, at the moment, if you think of CAR T's, it's really taking um, blood uh, from late stage um, patients with cancers. You scratch these cells together, you uh, then modify them genetically, and you put them back. And you can already see how difficult this is. Mm-hmm. Um, so the only way away from this is um, at this moment in time is uh, an allergenic paradigm, i.e. a centralised manufacturing uh, capability. Now, the cool thing is that, um, and of course, that raises questions about, you know, how do we match the cells, how do we make sure that they integrate, etc. The cool thing is lots of progress has been made on this. So you can either, in the CNS, we just saw some beautiful data from Blue Rock Therapeutics, um these cells persist after a year of treatment uh with um with immunosuppressants so you've got a paradigm for the cns um you have seen encapsulation for example uh, in 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 the context of uh, vertex pancreatic eyelid cells curative treatment for diabetes mm-hmm. um you've seen uh, very enticing data uh, from SANA, for example, in, in terms of the hyperimmune approach, where you take away surface epitopes and that cells can, can no longer be recognized. So this, together with a centralized manufacturing um, basis, that can really create scale and consistency of highly functional cells, I think is going to be transformative. Um, we think that we can lower the cost of goods of cell therapies by two orders of magnitude, we've got line of sight. And the reason why I can say that is because meatable, okay. you know, they're moving to 500 liter tanks, they need to uh, reach uh, cost uh, of, you know, a, a kilogram biomass cells, it's trillions of cells for $10. Otherwise, right. they won't be commercially viable. Well,
0: that's what I can questions. see them. Sure. It was one of my questions about meatable. Like following on the heels of the yeah. cell therapy space, is a pork chop going to cost $3,000? You know, that's not going to work. Right? Exactly.
1: Right. The crazy thing is they have a clear path to get there. Um, and uh, for a cell therapy company, obviously, uh, you can add two zeros, and you're still you you know, you're in the realm of biologics. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I feel very confident um and that's part of the disruptive power of this approach mm-hmm. um that that we can do that we will do that
0: yeah uh where where are you on the clinical sort of continuum
1: yeah so we're preclinical. um the, the earliest we can go into clinic is about 18 uh, months from now mm-hmm. um we um we have announced a pipeline so uh, the first product will be in the liver space again as i said Based on something that worked really well in an early stage uh, study, mm-hmm. um, we have other cell types, pancreatic islets. Uh, we have various different immune cell types, in cell types, and of course the company is at a stage where um, we want to augment, you know, uh, dilute funding sources uh, with uh, partnerships. Um, it's we're a classical new modality platform, very complex very broad. And of course, if you think about the mRNA companies, what they've done is entered a lot of partnerships to get to the next stage uh, where they become self-sufficient companies. So we've already announced one uh, one deal uh, with um, Bayer, Blue Rock Therapeutics. Um, uh, we're going to develop um, T-Rex together, um, and yeah. And now JPM, of course, uh, is a, a good uh, conference to add to that uh, partnership. Yeah, pipeline.
0: very good. You uh, earlier you were talking about the the breadth of, of of talent and skill and the need to bring them all together. You, you talked you talked about like you know beyond the lab manufacturing. What, what's the what is sort of the manufacturing? Strategy of BitBio? Are you are you doing that internally?
1: So, um, um, BitBio has launched research grade cells, um, which are now used by the top ten pharma companies um, uh, and considered as best in class for um, drug discovery mm-hmm. um, and understanding human biology. So we've built, obviously, R&D-grade manufacturing capabilities, uh, and there are now um, significant portions now automized. Um, so that's also been... You know, part of the mission always is democratize access to human cells, uh, close the translation gap, make sure that uh, conventional drugs um, are be are being developed uh, with more efficiency, yeah. um, and then of course on the technical side, uh, we have GLP at the moment, uh, and we work with external GMP partners uh, as we grow. with obviously uh, in house all of these uh, processes.
0: Mm-hmm. So the process is in house, but the, the intention would be moving forward to most likely outsource manufacturing. At, at this
1: point in time, uh, we have to, but I think one of the key capabilities of BitBio is that manufacturing know-how. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that is will be part uh, of the business model. Is part of the business model. Um, so we just have to grow to clinical stage, and right. um, before we can, you know, justify the investment uh, at a larger scale.
0: Yeah yeah um when i look at the, you know the cost paradigm aside when i look at recent uh cell therapy uh, approvals yeah um there have been plenty you could write many case studies on on you know commercial transition failure yes right like i'm wondering and i know it's early yeah. for you, you're pre preclinical but i'm wondering you know as the as a leader of BitBio, when do you start thinking about that like what beginning
1: uh, right at the beginning. Now, one of the things uh, that uh, um, has been really transformative uh, for the company is when Catherine Corzo uh, joined us. Um, she led cell therapy development uh, at Takeda, a very large portfolio, uh, and she's one of uh, uh, the, the rare um, y- human beings that have uh, that was able to create multiple pro- products uh, from scratch to commercialization. Uh, and she very clearly stated that we have to think about scale uh, and the ability to industrialize our manufacturing from the beginning. So this is all baked in uh, from 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 the onset. Um, I talked about it: single step protocols, fully defined media conditions, two D, three D transition, um, and that's. Working extremely well, um, plus all the processes assays that need to uh, come with it. So this is this is um, part of, I would say, the DNA of Bitcoin.
0: If you had to, um, if if you had to put your finger on a potential rate limiting factor or or risk that Mm -hmm. could that could
1: slow you down. I mean capital is one, uh, one. everyone has, right. Has, right. has has those constraints mm-hmm. i mean um obviously um now we are blessed in some sense that we have a revenue generating business uh which uh is going to offset platform costs uh uh in um in, in the next two years what's the what's what's the revenue generating? so these are you know this, so if you go to a website uh you can order um for example neurons disease models they have you know neurons with Alzheimer's uh, mutations you have CRISPR ready cells which are essentially cells that you can put in your culture you throw some guides in you've got your experiment um so it's really about one of the big things about stem cell is that it's so difficult to control so we want to make it easy anyone can use them you don't have to have any knowledge you just take out the cell, a vial of you know our microbeer of our you know cell that are uh, myocytes so muscle cells uh, you've got um, you know disease duchenne disease uh, m- mutations etc and that's how we connect again back to you know the also the, the rare disease world mm-hmm. um where you know i think the rare disease world yeah, had, you know is incredibly rich um in terms of scientific insight uh that you can you can gain i mean it's um and and of course there's huge unmet kind yeah mm-hmm. so
0: getting back to the now I, 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 sure. I have a tendency to just go down rabbit holes and take out that um, but getting back to potential rate right limiting factors yes. you talk about so capital capital can... is
1: one thing of course um w- what else could happen we can have you know in the clinic, all sorts of things can things can happen, mm. from you know, not being able to recruit patients uh, to you know halts uh, that uh, that uh, um, are, are possible. So we're quite aware of all the risks there. Um, what else could happen? Um, I think there are risks around. I don't think we have technical risks any longer. Mm. So one thing that we've learned over the last or five years is how robust the technology is in fact i'm going to just throw out something we've not had a single manufacturing failure in the last two and a half three years Mm. uh, in a cell therapy product we've done other things that went wrong Um, we didn't pack the right number of cells in the vials for our customers we mislabeled vials but we've never had biological failure Mm -hmm. so that's very different i would say uh, From any the cell, um, you know, cell manufacturing uh, company.
0: Yeah, uh, you, you mentioned, re- hinted at regulatory. Right? Sure. regulatory landscape. What, what similar to starting to think about commercial and making a yes. Make sure that you're, you know, beginning with with that end in mind. Um, yeah. At what point does regulatory expertise come into play?
1: It's uh, of course very early. You have to think about your. Uh, target product profile, the way, the path that you want to navigate um, through the uh, uh, regulatory landscape. Of course, uh, rarer conditions have an easier path. uh, So that's going to be the entry, uh, also for our first uh, cell therapy effort. Um, Yeah, I I look at the i've lost my naivety <laughs> i would <laughs> say and i've got a team uh, that has uh, you know all, all of these things covered i'm very really proud of my team i mean just think about uh, who sits on our board um, um greg winter um sir greg winter uh, Nobel prize for his antibody technology i think um multiple companies i think two years ago the three best-selling products uh, were based on his technology, so he's seen a lot of nonsense uh, and things that go uh, that can go wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel that um, the board as a whole is an incredible resource that helps us think through through you know what could go wrong, and I've got a very experienced management team.
0: What's your um, What's what's the funding strategy been to date? And yeah. We're gonna we gonna talk a little bit about what, what it looks sure. like going forward. I want to get sort of get your your sense uh, for, for yeah. the sentiment of the market at this point. But sure. since founding, what's what's been your
1: so um, the trajectory uh, we span out. Uh, I. <laughs> sort of uh, had this idea and was it was a single uh, single person idea at the beginning um and we raised a small amount of pre-seed uh, from you know um you know people that know what they're doing um mm-hmm. in the Cambridge ecosystem um then very quickly after that um we had uh, an early stage investor uh, I think uh, fantastic capital, um deep tech slash biotech called uh, Blue Yard. Um I always refer to it as US money uh in 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 Europe, um super supportive. And then um in another year later, uh we we struck really uh lucky. Um I was able to get uh Rick Klausner, um, Bob Nelson and Jim Tannenbaum, so Arch Ventures uh, Foresight capital. Um, and Euremilna Milky Way were uh, Klausner interested, and they led our Series A, mm-hmm. and that was a, a big splash. Really allowed us to, you know, at that point in time, um, they contributed uh, more than forty million. That allowed us to, uh, you know, build the platform, understand how we could create something that can create new cell types um, and industrialize the creation of, of new cell types and then um and, and then we we uh, at the end of 21 we raised a larger financing round 140 million and that was again led by um two staples a uh, combination of insiders uh, of uh, uh, strategics uh, charles river uh, national resilience etc um so that's given us um a good capital base uh, of, that allowed us to build this i think we were quite outstanding when you look at the UK landscape. Mm -hmm. Um, And actually, we followed um, nearly a textbook uh, approach. Um, You think about platform, new new modality platform, it takes a lot of capital to build it. Um, So that's, we're now there. I can say the platform is fully validated end to end. Uh, Of course, proof of concept in the clinic is is still in, in, in front of us. At that point in time, we then have to think about, you know, non deluded funding opportunities. So we, d- we talked about um, our deal with Burok and Bayer, uh, and our ambition to really uh, increase that now. And we've got um, a real pipeline uh, of of interest. So and that's uh, very positive. And of course, we will need uh, further funding um, in order to, you know, uh, drive uh, the bid buyer to the next level. At the same time, I think from a company size, from a maturity uh, uh, sort of perspective, we're reaching um, a point where maybe in 18, 24 months, uh, we'd be ready for um, an IPO. Um, So this is not to be seen as an exit. Uh, I think this is a transition from one capital pool to another capital pool. Mm -hmm we've done our homework we've got all our systems in place we could jump anytime if necessary um but um but I do also think that now is the time and we're sort of actively bringing um investors together to finance uh, another round um that uh, then sets us up for for that next that next stage
0: that next stage being the clinic the, the clinic
1: and potentially uh, the transition to, uh, into public markets.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So uh, what specifically is your strategy when you come into a, a, an event like this?
1: We've obviously lined up a lot of investor meetings. We already have uh, started to engage them uh, since uh, November. There was been education um, earlier on last year. Um, I think we're in a very good spot at the moment. Uh, and, you know, We've got ambition to, you know, crystallize this uh, in, in in the very near future. So,
0: yeah, uh, I, I want to just jump back to Meetable real quick because I'm sure I'm curious about, like, yeah. from a from a leadership perspective. You know, you're you're obviously leading
1: BitBio and, and and Meetable. You founded. I found it. I'm um, not nearly not at it. arm's length. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a very strong tech collaboration at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, Naively again, I said uh, I can translate this into uh, non-human species. Um, uh, it took a bit more uh, than than the idea, but I found uh, you know the teams uh, really sort of were able to, um, to to do it, and then Meetable took it and ran with it, and now they've got uh, an excellent uh, you know um, technical team there, and I've just visited their facilities. Um, and tried some of the um, products. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's it's extraordinary actually. Yeah. How how close to commercial is that? So um in terms of um they need to um get to that next scale point, which is now no longer a biological question, it's really about having access to the infrastructure um, and solving some of the you know things um uh, the the distribution of nutrients in the bioreactor. Hmm. That's looking extremely, extremely good. And then um, they are launching uh uh let's say early access um in Singapore. They're eyeing up uh the US now as well. I think the regulatory framework in Singapore, of course, is incredibly conducive. In the US, it's also very positive now. Um, and then um and then once this is demonstrated i think that's when the capital will be uh, available um for to really create the commercial scale facility that uh, will drive down costs uh, to the point uh, that it's competitive
0: yeah that's super interesting what was the third company you said that you founded? About
1: bio um it's really um a take on a unique property of of, of pluripotent stem cells Um they reside in you could say a state of perfect homeostasis they can buffer all the all the entropy the things that go wrong or um at every moment in time and repair it themselves and what but the problem is once they exit uh, this peripotent state um age starts to, to come in the repair mechanisms and i think potentially by design are being turned off very slowly mm-hmm. and that's the reason why you know, we get grey hair because you know, we, we we have all these sort of things that uh, sort of change as we uh, grow a little bit older, um, and so um, we found a way of figuring out how stem cells maintain this useful state. We have a complete, you know, Dr. Um, is trying to create a, a complete map of all genes that are um, involved in the regulation or the repair of what's called the aging hallmarks.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So and then uh, again, bit bio and clock bio, both of them are nearly hypothesis-free, pure data plays, uh where you know large data um processes ML play a role. Same for clock bio. All we want to understand every gene in its relationship to these uh, aging hallmarks and then use that knowledge to create rational uh um, choices and prioritizations uh, for for um interventions that can deal with age-related conditions um or you know maybe even extend a health span as such so you could see this is the flip side of the coin if something went wrong you we need uh severely wrong you need bed bio. you know making sure that things don't go wrong or preventing that time um Pushing it out—that's bio and the magic in the middle is the purpose mm-hmm. Uh What is
0: your engagement level with PuckBio?
1: So I, I sort of we discovered the approach uh, in the academic lab, and now I've handed it over uh, again to a team. So I'm, I'm on the board. Uh, I'm curious uh, of what they're doing, but I'm not involved in the day-to-day management. Okay. Yeah, I was, I was curious. About
0: that, I mean, the, the anti-aging space. I mean, it's, it's a yeah, uh, I, I'd say I'd say nascent, but it, it's, it's it's coming born. Right?
1: I think the biology is solid and it's very interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, what has been uh, the most uh, on, on this trip to, to San Francisco? What's what's sort of opened your eyes the most in terms of what you're hearing and seeing uh, as you traverse the streets? And- yeah and have your meetings, Jake? Look, I've been
1: very focused uh, on, you know, uh, on BitBio meetings. So um, partnership meetings, investor meetings. Uh, And and what my take is that uh, BitBio has now reached a visibility that we didn't have a year ago. So you go somewhere and actually people say, oh, BitBio, I've heard of of you. Mm -hmm. Uh, And of course, we need to amplify this. Uh, That's an important thing. Um, The validation uh, that... uh, um, the, the partnership with Blue Rock um, has provided uh, has also dropped uh, into people's minds. So if you think about it, there are really two big companies. We, we talked about them, Vertex, uh, Bayer slash Blue Rock, mm-hmm. that know something about this space. And, this, and, uh, and um, I think the signal that one of them has asked us for help um ha, has really sort of changed the perspective um and so i think that's extremely positive um and on the, the investor side look um there seems to be a better you know the weather seems to be better uh, and th- th- i think that's true literally when you think about uh, the 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 um, the torrents of last year. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, better. And we can see, you know, there's an uptick uh, in terms of, you know, uh, mergers and acquisitions. Um, there was good news flow in terms of financing. There's a number of companies that that, that are going IPO. I'm really sort of uh, keen to figure out uh, how metagenomics, for example, is going to fare. Um uh it's very exciting. I think we've turned the corner um that's what we that's what we sense. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be smooth sailing from here? We don't know, but uh let's take the momentum that exists uh, and our and our objective is really to crystallize uh the round now in q one,
0: yeah. Excellent. Well, I wish you luck with that. And I I appreciate the fact that you set some time aside during this very busy week to to spend with me and the Business Biotech listeners. So, Dr. Mark Potter, it's an honor. A pleasure. And uh, we'll, we'll we'll be following along. All, all three of these companies are very fascinating and in really good positions. So we'll be following along and hopefully we'll have an opportunity to meet with you again down the road.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Clinical stage. I'd love to get, get some clinical updates when you're
1: uh, Yeah, uh, Yeah, I'm looking forward to that as well. Uh, although but, I think, you know, on the other side, um, the use of cells uh, to to create better drugs, it's also very, very exciting.
0: Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for uh, joining me. Appreciate it. And safe travels. Thank you. I'm Matt Piller, and you just listened to The Business of Biotech, the weekly podcast dedicated to the builders of biotech. We drop a new episode with a new exec every Monday morning, and I'd like you to join our community of subscribers at bioprocessonline.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also subscribe to our never-spammy, always-insightful monthly newsletter at bioprocessonline.com backslash B-O-B. If you have feedback or topic and guest suggestions, hit me up on LinkedIn and let's chat. And as always, thanks for listening.